Special thanks to our promotional partners at the American Philatelic Society. The APS is the largest stamp collecting organization in the world, supporting collectors of any level worldwide. For more information about membership and APS services, visit stamps.org. I'm Charles Epting from H.R. Harmer in New York City. I'm Michael Cortese of Noble Spirit in Pittsfield, New Hampshire. And this is Conversations with Philatelists. Michael, we're back. We are. I'm excited. I really am. Well, you know, we, I, 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 you know, last time uh, we took a little break, uh, we, you know, explained that we're, we're busy. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously our, our businesses come first. We still love doing this. We're going to get back into it um, as, as frequently as we can. Uh, but, you know, we, we've both had a couple of big collections walk in the doors and, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, you know, uh, again, obviously that takes, that takes precedence. So um, it's been a bit of a hiatus again, but I'm, I'm really yeah. looking forward to, to, to getting back into it. Especially yeah. with today's um, today's special guest, this is this is going to be a really fun one. Yeah. So today we've got Jean Wang. She's uh, an associate professor of medicine at the University of Toronto and staff hematologist and clinician scientist at the Princess Margaret Cancer Society in Toronto, Canada. That's a mouthful. That that is a mouthful. <laughs> um, basically, she's a hematologist. Uh, yes. a hematologist. She's it's still yeah. a mouthful. She's yeah. a blood doctor. Uh, she deals with blood. And she has managed to take that career path and turn it into a, uh, a philatelic uh, collection and exhibit. And I'm super excited to hear about that today. The other thing I will mention is Dr. Wang has generously agreed to share her screen and show yes. us some of the material in her exhibit. So if you're listening to this on a podcasting service, um, you may want to jump over to YouTube so that you can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll do as good a job as we can um, explaining everything, but I think that a picture is worth... It's never sufficient. <laughs> it is not. It's worth much more than a thousand words in this case. So yeah. this is one, uh, you know, you'll, we'll, we'll, you, most of it will probably be uh, listenable, but uh, mm-hmm. there is a, a chunk of it I, that I expect will be viewable as well. So uh, maybe hop on over to YouTube if you're, if you're listening to us right now, uh, or keep listening and then watch on YouTube so we get double the uh, listens and views. Yeah, I don't like that. You know that we're like super into our metrics. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing um, we care more about. No, um, before but- we introduce her, I just yeah, glad to be back. Looking forward to it. Um, we got four or five guests lined up. Um, we're lining them up again. Absolutely. Yeah. When it when it rains, it pours. So yeah. <laughs> uh, no, um, it, it, it's it's yeah. exciting to be back on on uh, back in front of the camera again. I'm excited for this. And uh, what do you say we bring Dr. Jean Wang in? Absolutely. Here we go. So, Jean, thank you so much for uh, for joining us here today. Yeah, it's great to uh, great to uh, chat with you guys. Absolutely. So, uh, to to kick things off, do you mind talking a, a little bit about your beginning in the hobby, how you got started collecting, and and a little bit of your journey since then? So, yeah. So, I think my story is probably similar to a lot of collectors. I collected when I was little, my dad used to bring home uh, stamps, torn up envelopes from work and nobody else in my family collected. So I had to kind of figure out what to do with all that stuff. And um, so I collected, you know, whatever he brought home. And then later on, I started some country collections and then I put stuff away when I went to school and I didn't have as much time. Um, And then uh, I guess it was after, you know, after we got married and uh, we had bought some new furniture and I um, was taking stuff out of our old furniture and I rediscovered all my albums that I had stored in there. So, and at that time, I think it was in the sort of mid to late eighties, you know, the internet was around. So you could, you could, uh, you know, find stuff without actually having physically to go, go to shows and things. And I connected with collectors. Um, so I did that. And then maybe about 10 years ago, 
um, I, I started to get involved with organized philately. So I, I joined an online stamp forum called Stamp Boards. And a year or two later, I joined a local stamp club here, North Toronto Stamp Club. And uh, uh, that's really when I started, you know, becoming more and more involved. And as I said, like actually um, uh, being, you know, participating in organized philately as opposed to sort of just doing my collecting collecting on my own in my basement kind of thing so so what what made you seek out organized philately what made you that's what i was going to ask as well because you know there's a lot of people especially in today's day and age where you can collect Mm -hmm. you know in a solitary way on the internet or even interact with people um you know via instagram and twitter and whatnot um but but there are people who never make that jump into joining a society or going to shows or exhibiting so yeah what was it that um, made you want to explore it further rather than just keeping it a, uh, um, you know, a, a solo hobby? Yeah, you know, I, I don't remember what the exact stimulus was, but probably it was I was, you know, just searching on the internet looking for some information. And, um, and, you know, my searching probably led me to stamp boards, um, which is a huge bulletin board um, with tons of information, lots of people with lots of knowledge on different, uh, you know, different parts of of Lottily. and and I I did lurk there for a little while because I wasn't you know at that point I wasn't I had never really participated online in any kind of social media or anything like that um and so it took me a little while before I started posting questions and comments and but you know once I started it it got easier and then um and then I I don't know I just it just kind of stimulated this uh, desire to connect with other collectors and so I kind of um, actually you know the the how I got connected with the local stamp club so it's a funny story because I was I was going into my local Canada post outlet to mail covers all the time and you know putting nice stamps on the covers and so the clerk said to me one time oh you know these are really nice covers I guess they weren't used to people kind of going in and mailing you know covers with nice stamps and stuff and um <clears throat> She said, oh, there's another elderly gentleman who come, he's a collector and he's got a post office box here and he, you know, he sends a lot of mail and stuff. And do you want to connect with him? So, I, you know, at that point I had already kind of joined stamp boards and I thought it'd be good to sort of connect with other collectors. And, and so I said, sure. Um, so she, she connected us actually. Um, and, uh, and uh, so he invited me to go to a stamp club meeting with him. Uh, he belonged to, I think, several clubs, but the first one that he took me to was the Toronto Stamp Collectors Club, which was, um, I think, it, it, I mean, it's a smaller club. They actually haven't haven't been very active through the pandemic, and it's mostly older collectors, um, you know, and their meetings were basically kind of sitting around a table and doing kind of a show and tell. Um, so it, I have to admit, it wasn't horribly exciting for me. Um, but then he also belonged to the North Toronto Stamp Club, and I went to a, one of their meetings with him, and North Toronto is a much more, um, I think it's a much more active club. There's more active membership. There's a wider range of ages of the collectors. Um, And so I decided to join the North Toronto Stamp Club. I think that's how things sort of got started for me. And it's a very active exhibiting club too. Um, So around that time, you know, I had, because of what I had sort of seen on stamp boards, I, I actually had started um a a topical collection so up till then i would really only just been a country collector i collected a few countries including canada and um 
I was, I was probably looking for, you know, a new angle because, uh, you know, there, at some point in a country collection, it starts to get really expensive, right? I mean, you're just some of the, <laughs> right. uh, you know, the, the more expensive stuff. So I was looking for something else that was kind of a new, uh, a new angle. And um, yeah, so I decided to, to start a topical collection. And then when, when the North Toronto exhibiting chair found out that I was doing this, he, you know, really encouraged me to put together an exhibit, um, which I eventually did. So I think it was a probably a couple of years, a year or two after I joined the club. And, and so it's just kind of gone from there. When, when it comes time to start, because I, I, I've, I think it would be too generous to say that I've collected topically, but there's always things that if I see them, I'll, I'll pick them up, whether it's dinosaurs or whatnot. But when it comes time to put together a topical collection, um, obviously there's a lot of low hanging fruit, the stamps that depict the topic, for example, you know, I'm sure you can go out and um, and find a lot of material very easily, but where do you go from there? Where, what other avenues do you take it? What was sort of your thought process in putting together a topical, again, if it's, um, you know, dinosaurs on stamps, you can just go out and look for modern souvenir sheets with dinosaurs all day long, but, you know, when it came time to uh, maybe expand it into an exhibit more than just a collection, what was, what was sort of your thought process um, behind what you had to go out and find in terms yeah. of material? Yeah, so so actually I find, you know, I find a lot of collectors, like even collectors that are very traditional, you know, have um, postal history collections or whatever, a lot of them, if you talk to them, they have like a little side topical collection, you know, um, and it's often connected to stuff, you know, that what they did uh, as their profession or, you know, whatever. So for me, so I'm a hematologist, so I decided to collect stamps on, on blood donation and blood transfusion. and. Yeah, so you're absolutely right. The first thing I did was try and get all the stamps I could find that were directly, you know, showing blood donation or blood transfusion. But as I was searching for these, um, so one, you know, one of my big sources are like online auction sites like eBay and Del Camp. So when you when you search on Del Camp, um, a lot of things pop up when you when you put in blood donation or blood transfusion. So you start to realize that there's you know postmarks and there's slogan cancels and there's postal stationery. And it's really interesting, right? Because it's, I, I mean, a lot of those have really, you know, there's the slogans can themselves be very interesting, but the postal stationery envelopes have a lot of interesting illustrations on them. And it was just, a, it was something I had never considered before. I'd always been just a stamp collector and all of this stuff was really quite new to me. And so I just, I started to really search for that stuff and, and, you know, I'm in contrast to country collections where you just, you know, you have your album pages and all the spaces and you have to fill all the spaces, right? So you know if it's a complete collection or not, depending on how deep you want to go. Um, with, a, with a topical or a thematic collection, there's really, it's like sky's the limit, right? Like yeah, there, there are lots it. of things out there, but there's no complete catalog of all the postmarks and all the right. slogans. And so there's no, there's not this sense of completion um, which is, you know, which is, which is good in a way, because it just means that, you know, um, you never feel like you're, you're, you're failing at it, right? Like you can't complete mm. it. And, and really you can define the limits of what you want to collect, right? So I, I found stuff directly related to blood donation transfusion, but I, and I started to, um, you know, you can find stuff that's, that's maybe a little more tangentially related to, so. Um, and, you know, now I've branched into all different aspects of medical philately, um, 
just as I've gone along, you know, it became harder and harder to find new stuff in my blood donation collection. So then I started to, you know, look at other stuff like collect, um, like advertising, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot in the US, but I'm concentrating on Canada, but early, um, early medical advertising covers, like a lot of sort of quack medicine, snake oil kind of, you know, advertising, which is really cool. Um, so, you know, so I've branched out into other aspects. And during the pandemic, I was collecting COVID related stuff. Uh, lots of interesting stuff there too, not just stamps, but postmarks and all kinds of other stuff too. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that's exactly kind of what you were saying there is not only is it, um, is it less finite, but it's, it's so much broader topical collecting because you are, yeah, you were defining it and it's, there's no just spots to fill. Um, did you find you already had some of the items in your country collections that you were able to pull out and then put into your topical collections that, I mean, it, it can, as you get into the more modern stuff, get tough to find things or uh, if you will, because you find maybe you have to buy complete year sets in order to get that set because it's, it catalogs, you know, a dollar, but it might be vital to your exhibit or something like that. So, yeah. So, I mean, my country collections were used collections. So, mm -hmm. um, except for Canada, I have a mint Canada collection too. So in my in my topical collection i was really trying to just get mint stamps yeah um, so there you know i didn't really there wasn't really a lot of overlap between what i had already had in my collections and what i was trying to find for my topical i sort of have a two-part question um the first is when you collect something that you are so um uh so close to i you know it's, it's your profession it's your 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 life outside of stamps um do you find it difficult ever to construct a narrative um, because you're maybe like a bit too close to the subject matter and, um, uh, you know, you're, you're, uh, I don't know, I, I, I just feel like it might be difficult to, to use stamps to tell the story of something you know so well. And then conversely, second part of the question is, is there ever a story you're trying to tell and you wish there was <laughs> the perfect fill? You know, you, you've got this uh, theory or this practice that you want to include in the story and there's just no stamp or postmark or cover or anything that illustrates it. Do you ever wish there was a philatelic item to fill a gap in a story that you think is important uh, to tell? Yeah, so, I mean, so so let me step back for one second. So the, so the difference between um, like a topical collection and a thematic collection is mm. a topical collection really is like, you're just trying to collect everything you can find that has a picture of your topic, right? So. All, you know, all the stamps that depict blood donation or blood transfusion or slogans, everything that's directly related. Whereas a thematic, you know, when, if you're building a thematic exhibit or, or a collection, you start to delve into all these other storylines, right? Like how, um, what's the history of blood or the symbolism of blood? Why is blood important? Um, how did, you know, how were blood groups discovered? How, you know, how did transfusion medicine uh, how did the science get established? And it's all related to the like wars, right? The, the need for blood to treat wounded soldiers during wars. So those are all part of the story, but they're not, you know, you're not going to be able to illustrate that with stuff that directly shows blood donation or whatever. You have to find peripheral stuff. Um, so, you know, you asked me, like, do I know, I think what you're asking me is, 
you know, I have my sort of medical knowledge and how do I translate that to something that is accessible by a lay person, right? So, yes. so in my in my practice, you know, I have to explain things to patients all the time, right? And, and I also write research grants and we have to write um, abstracts for a lay audience because there are lay people on the review panels too. So I've gotten, you know, I, I have experience in how to explain things to people in plain language um, so that it's, you know, so it's not too technical, so it's understandable. And, and in a thematic exhibit, you, you want to kind of explore different kinds of storylines. And you're absolutely right. Sometimes you want to tell a story um, and there's nothing on stamps to illustrate it. Um, so you have to be a little creative then, right? So, um, you know, there's lots of examples in, in my exhibit where I, I have a particular storyline, but it's, it's maybe something that it's, it's a concept or something that, you know, it's, it's a bit hard, like it's a principle or concept that can't, you know, you can't just show as a picture on a stamp. Um, but, but you can find, if you're creative, you can sometimes find philatelic items that can help you illustrate that. So, um, just think, you know, so, so as an example, um, you know, I talk about, uh, when blood is collected and, um, you know, the, they test the blood <clears throat> for infectious viruses and then they treat the blood to, you know, to kill any potential viruses. So, uh, you know, you can use a, a cover that was disinfected, right? So mm -hmm. during the early, um, you know, for smallpox or cholera or whatever, they, they used to use all kinds of different methods for disinfecting covers. So it's a way to kind of, it's a kind of metaphor to to kind of illustrate something that you know you might not be able to find a stamp or a postmark for so so you can have a lot of fun in in thematics that way do you do you ever share your exhibit with other people in your field like my medical colleagues yeah, yeah yeah so so actually early on when i was starting it um it's probably about five or six years ago now i i did actually so you know so the very first stamp I think that kind of hooked me into this whole history of transfusion medicine was was it was the stamp from Romania actually so Romania like you know a lot of countries kind of issued like you know millennium stamps right like uh, events of the millennium kind of thing right and famous people and whatever so one of them was was Carl Landsteiner who who described the ABO blood groups back in 1900 so they had a picture of him on the stamp and they had the ABO blood groups, but they also had these Roman numerals. And I didn't really know what they were. I hadn't learned about those in medical school. And um, so I asked one of my colleagues who's a transfusion medicine specialist, because my, my, I mean, my practice is uh, general hematology and I do leukemia research. I don't actually, I'm not a transfusion medicine specialist, but you know, there's, there were not enough stamps on leukemia. So that's why I picked uh, blood transfusion. But anyway, so I asked one of my colleagues and he said, oh yeah, there was like another guy who came up with some other blood group classification, uh, you know, a Czech, it was actually, it turned out, so he was a Czech neurologist who was trying to find a link between blood groups and mental illness. And of course he didn't find any kind of link, but he just, he discovered the four main blood groups and he just, you know, he made a numerical classification. So that's what was on the stamp. So that's kind of what hooked me into it. So, you know, so after that, anytime I found something interesting, I would share it with my colleague. And then, so then eventually he asked me to, um, to, uh, to give a, like a presentation to their, they had like monthly transfusion medicine rounds. And so I, I gave them a talk and then, 
someone there um, heard that talk and then they were organizing a like a, a Canadian transfusion um, like a big national meeting and and they invited me to to give the keynote uh, talk on the like social history of transfusion medicine so you know so I didn't it wasn't entirely philatelic but I did have some philatelic things that I incorporated into the talk just mm -hmm. for interest right and yeah it's really funny because the feedback I got you know because a lot of the audience were not stamp collectors right um you know so I would show like a the first blood donation stamp was issued by Hungary and uh so I would so I you know, showed a picture of that one and afterwards someone came up to me and thought it was so exotic that I had stamps from Hungary <laughs> you know where on earth did you get stamps from Hungary <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but yeah so I think you know people are interested I I actually hated history in high school I was you know I was a math and science person and I didn't really like history but I think it was because I didn't really have any kind of personal investment in it or, or you know maybe the teacher was kind of boring but um but uh, but now I'm actually you know I love the 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 history aspect of philately right like philately is gives us this window into what society was like and I have this other collection on on the hospital for sick children in Toronto um, it's a big, you know, it's an international uh, children's hospital. They do international research and, and, uh, but I, I have this collection of, um, letters and illustrated covers and postal stationery cards that they used in their sort of Christmas fundraising campaigns back in the sort of late 1890s to about 1925 or so. And it just really gives you, you know, just by kind of studying the wording on the, cards and the way they did their appeals and you know just really gives you a window into what the people were like that were you know uh leading the hospital and hmm. and what society was like at that time and you know I, ha I have these cards where uh it was a card that was sent to a parent that their kid was ready to be picked up you know at the hospital like they're they were healthy and they were ready to be picked up so you know kids would be admitted to hospital and they wouldn't have parents with them right like they're they just went into this black hole and then once they were ready you just went and picked them up so it was yeah. like it's very different than now right but just gives <laughs> you a really interesting window into you know now parents sleep in the same room as the kid right but right very different back right then. no that um i mean it, it just goes to show how important not only the postal history but the the stamps can tell the history of the countries and and the history of the history of the world which i mean if if i can segue a bit um you're on the the canada post stamp advisory committee so now looking at these stamps reading the you know it read if if you will reading the history of these to other countries you're now selecting what is going to be on uh the canadian stamps going forward um what's that like it, as for as much of that as you can talk about yeah <laughs> so um yeah so uh i mean a lot uh, the the sort of content of our discussions and everything is confidential but right um, but uh you know so i've been on the committee since 2018 um i think i'm into the fifth year of my of my term now and um i mean it was i i think shortly before i was invited to to join the committee i had learned about it i didn't know it existed before that and you know, I kind of thought, oh, that would be such a cool thing to be on, right? I never dreamt that I would actually be invited to, to join the committee, but it's been a, an amazing experience. So 
you know, there are, there are, there's supposed to be up to 12. I think right now there's 10 or 11 of us, but there's, you know, people with expertise in history and design. And right now I'm the only person like sort of from the philatelic world. They usually have, really? you know, they have one or two. When I joined the community, there were, there were two of us, but um, right now I'm the only one, but we, we, so, you know, so subjects for Canadian stamps, like there are some set issues every year, you know, we have the the holiday issues and there's a flower issue in the spring for weddings and stuff. So there are set issues every year. Um, but for all, for all the other issues, uh, you know, the public people, the public can make um, suggestions for topics and people on the stamp committee uh, also, you know, our, our committee also uh, makes suggestions and we consider all suggestions and we try and, um, you know, have balance in terms of, regional diversity and, and, you know, history versus highlighting people and, and the landscape of Canada and, you know, sports and entertainment, you know, so, you know, there's, there's, there's a limited number of issues every year. So obviously Mm -hmm. we can't do everything, but, um, but, you know, it's, it's been an amazing experience. Um, And just listening to the discussion I've learned so much and it's been, it's been really eye-opening and not just the historical aspects, you know, so I've learned so much that way too, but also design aspects. Um, Cause a lot of the people who were designers on the committee have actually in the past designed stamps themselves for Canada Post. Um, and, you know, the, the things you have to consider when you're designing something that's gonna be on a, like a one inch square piece of paper, right? So um, just the, 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 the sort of different aspects that that you have to consider and even things like oh you know this font is not in keeping with the era of whatever's being commemorated on the stamp like stuff that you would never even think of right but um so it's really cool so we you know once we decide on a topic the the stamp committee they go and research it and make sure they you know get the story right i think you know they really have a focus on telling the story around the the stamp issue and then they they commission usually two or three different designers or design firms, and they each come up with like two or three different concepts. And those are all come, they, those all come back to the committee and we don't know, you know, who's designed what, but they just show us all the different design concepts. And then we have a discussion and we pick, you know, usually it's pretty obvious which one is going to be the winner. Um, And then, you know, sometimes we, the designers will give suggestions for tweaking this or tweaking that, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a long process. It takes about two years. I mean, it's probably the same for the U.S. Um, committee, but it's uh, it takes about two years from when an idea is first, you know, green-lighted or green-lit um, until the stamp actually comes out. So I was actually, you know, when I first joined the committee in 2018, I was very excited and, you know, I was telling all my work colleagues that, you know, I'm on the stamp advisory committee. And, uh, and so one of them, actually said to me, oh, you know, you should put, um, you should put Tilla McCullough on a stamp. So Tilla McCullough are these two scientists, Jim Till and, and Ernest McCullough, who really were the fathers of stem cell science. Like that's the field that I do my research in. And uh, so that kind of triggered, you know, me to go and kind of look. And, and uh, so I made it eventually made a proposal to the committee to issue a set of five stamps on like Canadian medical groundbreakers which was accepted. And then, 
And then, yeah, so then um, that issue came out in, um, so I proposed it in June 2018 and the issue came out in September 2020. Uh, so right in the you know midst of the pandemic, it was actually a really good time. Like we had no idea, obviously, when we started because it was pre-pandemic, but right. it actually was really good timing in terms of, you know, celebrating Canadian medical breakthroughs and milestones and um yeah and I was because that was sort of something where I had some expertise content expertise too I was sort of involved with the with the design process also like just you know reviewing designs and making sure everything was really correct on the stamp and and things like that so it was a really you know really amazing experience did, incredible did those stamps make it into your exhibit yeah, so yes, a couple of them are because, uh, you know, so the Tilla McCullough stamp talks about stem cells. So I have that in, in one part of my exhibit. And then one of the other stamps was actually Bruce Chown, who was a um, hematologist in Winnipeg, who was, uh, his research sort of discovered the basis of um, RH disease, which, is, which affected babies. So babies who are born to RH negative mothers, if the father is RH positive, uh, it caused this sort of allergic or immune reaction. And babies, a lot of babies died because of this, but now it's easily preventable. Mums that are RH negative just get an injection during pregnancy um, and it completely prevents it. So, so he's actually on one of the stamps too. And, and there's some blood cells with RH, you know, so, so I talk about RH disease in my exhibit. So I had, I had maybe an ulterior motive. <laughs> but, <laughs> No, I was going to say that's an excellent way. If there's not a stamp depicting something okay. you need for your exhibit, just put your. <laughs> yeah, get on the stamp yeah, advisory on the board. committee, submit a proposal, and then two years later, you know. Yeah, you'll have the stamps you need. Do you have any of the proofs or the. Um, no. Any of the essays? No, okay. I wish. No, but no, all of that stuff is with Canada Post. So. Do you find there's an advantage to being a philatelist on the advisory committee um, over. Uh, does that ever come up? in discussions that, hey, they've already done this, or actually, you know, 1937, Canada issued this stamp, and, you know, that we can't, I would assume everybody on the committee has to know the Canadian issued stamps previously, right? So, so I'm the only person on the committee that has a philatelic background. So yeah. none of the, like the historians and the designers, they don't really know anything about the past stamp program. But the people that the staff, you know, Canada Post staff who are on mm -hmm. the stamp committee, they yeah. obviously, you know, they, they have more knowledge of that. Um, Jim Phillips, who, you know, retired, I think two years, two years ago now, he'd retired during the pandemic, but he was the head of the, um, you know, stamp service, like this committee. Um, and he had a huge knowledge because, you know, he'd been for, for years on the, uh, you know, heading the committee. So, um, you know, so he provided a lot of continuity and he, he had really good knowledge. So, but, you know, I do, like, I have obviously more knowledge than people who are not collectors, um, you know, if a topic has been done before mm. um, or not. But in addition to that, I think it's also, I provide, you know, some insight maybe into sort of collectors interest right. and um, um you know I guess it's the collector perspective right I'm not sure yeah. it has a lot of influence on on what we end up picking and and the designs and things but I think it's just it's important for them I think to have that input at the table yes. yeah um yeah so one one thing I wanted to ask we we you explained the difference between topical and thematic collecting 
And I think that um, at least in dealing with people, um, you know, that I talk to in the industry, topical collecting is viewed as a way of maybe getting young people into the hobby, whether it's collecting butterflies or uh, horses or whatever on stamps. I, I think it's often viewed as a, a good first entry point for people to get their, their feet wet. Um, but then there's people like yourself and, and plenty in the U.S. who take thematic collecting to a whole new level, uh, especially through exhibiting and through books and articles that they write um, and sort of elevate what could be viewed as a very simplistic uh, or elementary way of collecting into something that you know rivals traditional exhibiting and uh, postal history exhibits in its complexity and its nuance and its storytelling ability. Um, so, so what do you see sort of as the future of, of topical and thematic collecting? Because again, there's sort of two parallel uh, levels, I feel. There's the, the very, 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 um, you know, low-end entry-level topical collectors. And then again, the thematic exhibits I see at shows that are just, you know, they, they blow you away with their archival material and postal history and things that you would never think uh, would help to tell a certain story all being incorporated and the exhibit becomes much more than the sum of its parts. So can you sort of talk about that? Um, uh, I don't know if it's a bifurcation, but sort of the difference between um, entry-level topical collecting and advanced thematic collecting. Yeah, I mean, um, certainly topical collecting is a very uh, easy way for new collectors to get into the hobby, um, especially younger collectors, because, you know, they're, it's, they're attracted by the colors and the nice pictures, right? So, you know, that's that's kind of how I started, right? I mean, I, you know, Obviously, I started not as a kid, but but I started out really just collecting the stamps. And it was only after I started doing that that I realized there was this whole other, um, you know, aspect to topical or thematic collecting. That there were all these other things that that were available that really added interest um, and could enhance my collection. So not just having stamps, but all this other stuff. And I don't think that's necessarily something that has to be limited to people who are exhibiting. Um, right, like if you if you uh, collect dinosaurs on stamps, there's lots of interesting postmarks and slogans and things like that. That even if you didn't want to exhibit, you could still collect those. Um, and I think you know the the sort of class of topical exhibits versus thematic exhibits was was developed as a way to try and encourage people who'd really just had topical collections, right, to, to, to start exhibiting um, and experience exhibiting, where you don't really have to have all these tangential storylines, you're just sort of categorizing your stuff. Um, you know, I think of it kind of like as an illustrated catalog, right, so you can have different chapters that show different aspects, but all of the stuff shows pictures of whatever your topic is. Um, but, but I think, you know, thematic, thematic collecting and, and thematic exhibiting in particular, um, I mean, it's, I, I don't know if traditional collectors, if they don't really understand thematic exhibiting kind of view thematics or topics or topical collecting as kind of this more, you know, for, oh, it's for younger collectors or not serious collectors really where, you know, where it's not kind of like a serious philatelic pursuit. Um, but I actually, I also heard, you know, experienced collectors or experienced exhibitors say that, you know, they, they, you know, they may have postal history exhibit or traditional exhibit, but they've never tried a thematic exhibit because they actually found that it's actually one of the most difficult types of exhibits to put together. Um, and I think 
people might be intimidated by thematic exhibiting because they kind of think, oh, there's all these rules around what you can include or not include, but really thematic exhibiting, I think is, is actually a very accessible kind of exhibiting because you're telling a story. So the, the most important thing is you have to decide what story you're gonna tell and it should be a non-philatelic story, right? So it's not focusing on the stamps or the post history, you know, the roots or the markings or anything. You're just, you pick some non-philatelic story and then you can pull in everything to illustrate your story. So you can pull in postal history, you can pull in traditional stuff, right? All these pre-production proofs and archival material, you can pull in postal stationery. So you really have like everything available to you to illustrate this story. And I think actually it's like, for me anyway, although I have, you know, I have to say I only have one other exhibit, which is my sick kids exhibit, but so I don't have a lot of experience in exhibiting different classes, but when I go to it, when I go to a show, I like looking at the thematic exhibits because, you know, it's, to me, it's like, I like looking at the non, you know, the, the, the story, the non-philatelic story and seeing how the exhibitor has illustrated that story and, and the different kinds of things that they've used to, to illustrate the story. And sometimes you see really kind of like surprising things that you wouldn't expect to see Right, but but they've made this really interesting connection. So I think that's you know that's really where you can be creative. And uh, well, I, I think it, you know in a way um, it is more difficult because if you're putting together a traditional exhibit, you've got your pre-production material, your mint stamps, your multiples, your used stamps, and your covers, and it's, it's sort of a, a given framework. Whereas with something like blood or uh, you know whatever topic it may be, um, you go to a stamp show and it's always so varied. It's coconuts or lions or whatever yeah. and there's really no um there's no rule book whereas you know traditional philately there's certain expectations that you'll have there's the a recipe the right? yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. whereas yeah when it when it comes to tackling coconuts on stamps uh, i wouldn't know the first place and then we start it's such a creative you know they'll start with you know uh these you know um uh, the history of I, I, it always amazes me so yeah i think that um certainly makes it a more diverse and interesting um uh way to exhibit that yeah there's no no one's done it before you and 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 in fact um you know if you can come up with a new angle or a new way to you know i i was listening to um so milk Opex happened last weekend or the weekend before and they they as a show theme they had like thematics and so they had a bunch of seminars on um on thematics collecting and exhibiting and um, one exhibitor from Israel has a fantastic thematic exhibit about chess. And, you know, it's really interesting because he was telling the story that, you know, he started out collecting chess stamps and then he decided he was going to try his hand at exhibiting. And he talked to a friend who basically told him that all the exhibits he had seen about chess were kind of boring because they, you know, basically showed all the chess pieces and then they you know sort of listed all the grandmasters and then all the chess olympiads and it was kind of just like a catalog right and it wasn't very mm -hmm. interesting and if he was going to you know make an interesting exhibit he had to find a new angle for this and so what he's done is he's compared chess to war and so chess as the game of war right because games are made to kind of imitate life and so mm -hmm. chess as a game and there's a lot of like military terms in chess right you attack you defend you know so he's his whole exhibit is illustrating what happens in chess and then the equivalent of what happens in real life war so it's like really wow. interesting right so it's a, just a new way of telling that story so i think you know 
thematics gives you that opportunity to kind of pick something that, you know, maybe like a lot of people collect chess, right? But he came up with like an interesting way to tell that story. And so I think that's where thematics can be really strong, right? You can just use your imagination and you're not limited by, you know, as long as you can show or make a, a, a link to your story with the postal aspect of, you know, a, a philatelic item, then you can, you can use it to illustrate your story, right? So you're not limited by anything and you can, and I, you know, I have to say, I have a huge diversity of stuff in my exhibit. I've learned so much and I find it really cool to learn about, you know, I have postal stationery from uh, Liberia. I have, uh, you know, just a recent edition is a, is a Red Cross Society cover from Trinidad where, you know, there, it was franked with a, a Cinderella label that was given postal privilege for one day, you know, oh, so, wow. so like really cool stuff. Like, I just love finding out stuff like this, right. And then figuring out a way to put them in my exhibits. So, um, yeah, it's, so, it's a lot of fun. Speaking of you so graciously have, um, have prepared some slides for us from your exhibit. Um, if, if you wouldn't mind screen sharing them, them now. Uh, sure. So let me see if I can do this. Can you see that? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, um, yeah, so I just, you know, I, I just pulled out a few examples from my exhibit. This is, this is the title page of my exhibit. Mm -hmm. Um, so it just tells the story about blood and this is just a close up of the plan. So you can see that it's just, you know, kind of, it's split into five chapters, and I talk about the history of blood, the symbolism of blood, how transfusion medicine began, um, how our blood supply is supported, how we, how we, you know, recruit donors, the whole process of donating blood, and then all the things that blood is used for. So it just, it goes through this sort of um, story through the whole exhibit. So and I this, just thought I, this exhibit was the one that just won a reserve grant, you said? Yeah, so it actually, so I've won the grand at a couple of national shows in Canada. Um, and the first time was in Campex in 2019. That was the first time a thematic exhibit had ever won a grand at a, like a regular national show in Canada. Really? Wow. So, so I think, you know, I think I, I really want to show people that, you know, thematics is like really, you know, it, it can be serious, uh, um, you know, take, take it seriously, right? It's not mm -hmm. just a kid's. Mm -hmm kids game kind of thing um so yeah and i and i showed it cpex and i got the reserve grant at cpex um so uh so this is this is just a page in i think the first chapter um where i talk so on this page i'm talking about um so galen was a was a physician who had a lot of influence in um you know second century and he taught a lot of like me medical about medicine and anatomy and you know of course all a lot of some of his ideas were okay a lot of his ideas were wrong um and one of the things that he he didn't really understand about the circulation and how the blood circulated and that the heart was a pump he actually thought you know blood was kind of generated by the liver and it fed the body and it would kind of ebb and flow and uh, they knew that there was arterial blood and venous blood that because it was different color but he thought, you know, rather than kind of going in a circuit around the body, he thought that arterial and venous blood kind of mixed through these tiny holes in the septum, the sort of muscular wall that divides the, the two sides of the heart. Mm. So to illustrate that, you know, it's, it's kind of a hard, there's no stamp that shows that, right? But <laughs> what I decided to do was to use a, 
a person in the form of a heart, right? So talking about holes in the heart. So, mm. you know, so here's holes, which are these initials inside a heart. So, um, you know, I, this is my, you know, I, this is where I geek out, right? Like finding <laughs> these kind of uh, cool me philatelic metaphors to issue uh, or to illustrate different um, parts of my story. So that's one thing. I actually um, emailed the, uh, the, the Perfin Society to get some information um, about the early and late dates of this particular Perfin. And I, I think I missed the earliest known date by like three days. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, but it was the first example on this particular face value uh, stamp. So, so that was kind of cool. How, um, diffi how difficult was it to get that stamp? To get this stamp? Yeah. So I, I think what I did was I went on Del Camp and I Googled heart perfin. And okay. this happened to be one of the lots that popped up. So, and oh, it wow. wasn't horribly expensive either. So I was really lucky because since then I've gone back to look a couple of times and, and there haven't been any more. So, you know, just sometimes your timing and everything yeah. just works out perfectly. Um, so that one, you know, that was like a relatively inexpensive uh, addition. And then, um, and then I had the chance to buy this artwork for, for this stamp uh, from Nigeria, which shows like a cross-section of the heart anatomy. And the really cool thing, you know, and so this is where I think I have maybe an advantage over someone who's not medical, because I looked at that picture and it just didn't look right to me. So here, here is heart, how the heart anatomy is normally drawn. So I'm not going to go into the details or anything, but the artist has basically gotten it backwards. So um, the, you know, he's, he's flipped the right side and the left side and just gotten the, the, where the blood vessels attached um, backwards, right? Oh. So, so I don't know if you can see my mouse here, but mm -hmm. the aorta is arching to the left here and normally it should be arching to the right on the picture here. So, you know, so it's just backwards. So I, I take advantage of that to say that, you know, Galen got his anatomy wrong and, and here's, you know, the design of the, the anatomy is also wrong on this, on this piece of artwork. So. <laughs> um, okay. And then, and then I've got a, a chapter where I talk about the blood groups and how the blood groups are inherited. So I thought one cool way to kind of illustrate how how the blood groups are like the the genetic inheritance of the blood group would be to use these non-denominated U.S. stamps and put them together the way the genes would be put together, right? So A, B, and I didn't, you know, there's only A, B, C, and D for these stamps, so so I didn't have A, B, and O, but actually <laughs> O initially Landsteiner actually just called them A, B, and C, and only later C was changed to O. So so I'm taking okay. a little bit of a liberty here, but I do mention that you know. C represents O here. So mm -hmm. it just shows the different inheritance of the blood groups here. And then this stamp. So, you know, I, I mentioned before that a lot of countries issued kind of like, you know, millennium, you know, events of the millennium kind stamp. So Guyana did that too. And one of the stamps, they, they also showed Landsteiner and they showed these blood grouping cards. So these are the different blood groups. This is what it's supposed to look like. So, so, I mean, I won't go into the details, but basically the pattern should be um, smooth or speckled for, for A or B. And so in blood group A and in blood group B, you should have one speckled and one solid or smooth. Whereas in AB, you have two speckled and in O, you have two smooth, but they got it backwards on the stamp. So A, you've got the one speckled and smooth there, but and you've got the two speckled on AB here, but they've actually mixed up the O and two blood groups. So. You know, this is again a tiny detail, but I use it 
in a page of my exhibit where I say, you know, you have to be really careful when you're blood typing and you can't make mistakes in blood typing. So, mm. you know, here's a stamp where they made a mistake in the blood typing, right? So just stuff like this. This is the Trinidad um, cover that I, that I mentioned where um, the, a, a lot of the uh, colonies, they, they, um, they wanted to send out these circulars to raise money, like to all the plantation owners and stuff. And um, they asked the governor if they could, you know, do, do it for free. And the governor agreed and the postmaster general um, agreed, but before they could send out instructions to the post offices, um, they mailed out all these uh, envelopes that just had the label on it. And so the postmaster actually instructed the uh, sending post office to actually postmark the label, which happened to be just the correct value for sending an, an um, printed matter letter um, so that the letters wouldn't be taxed at the arriving post offices. And so this is the, this is the label. Yeah. And this yeah. is the circular that was included. So this is, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a page where I'm talking about Red Cross societies uh, <clears throat> um, being the organizations that do a lot of the blood collecting um, from donors, um, but I have this really, you know, instead of just showing a stamp with a red cross or something on it, which are very common, you know, mm -hmm. just having this really cool postal history item where the, you know, there was a label that was given postal privilege for one day only for like basically one mailing of 900 letters is pretty cool. That is really cool. Um, and then just, this is the last thing I'll show from my exhibit, but um, I had, a, I have a page where I talk about uh, um, the different uses of, of, you know, blood for, for patients. And um, one big need is cancer patients who get chemotherapy or radiation because, you know, the chemotherapy and radiation damages their own blood forming cells in the bone marrow. And so they're reliant on transfusions until their bone marrow cells can recover. <clears throat> and so I used to have, um, I think an envelope that had a picture of a radiator or something, but it occurred to me, that, you know, if I could find like a, maybe a radiated cover uh, or, you know, a radi piece of a radiated mail. Cause I think I was looking through something and um, on, on uh, an exhibit on disinfected covers and, and they, they had some examples of sort of these irradiated covers that were, um, it was during the anthrax, you know, after 9-11, um, there was, there was that anthrax scare where, where anthrax spores were sent through the mail. So, right in certain areas, they, they actually irradiated, they collected and irradiated the mail before they delivered it. So, so not only was I able to find a piece of irradiated mail, but this particular, uh, you know, plastic bag that the mail was inserted into says, you know, any biological samples such as blood, et cetera, could be rendered useless. So it, it's wording that perfectly fits with my story saying that the bone marrow cells are, you know, when they're irradiated, they basically are rendered useless, right? And, yeah. and, just need transfusions. So um, anyway, that was, wow. I think that's the last thing I'm showing from my exhibit. Um, and so I just, this is, this is my thread on stamp board. So actually when I started my exhibit in 2014, I just posted it. Um, I didn't really have anything in mind at that point, but I just posted all my pages. It was only two frames at that point. And, mm -hmm. and ever since then, I've been kind of make putting updates in the thread. So anybody, you know, who wants to can go to this um, link and they can just follow the, the progression of my exhibit from, you know, whenever I added new things in or whatever, I've, I've been posting updates. So anybody that's interested can go and have a look there. Oh, that's fantastic. It's like a, it's a yeah. Um, 
history of the exhibit itself. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I, these are all, you know, when I talked about thinking outside the box and saying things that just um, uh, come out of left field, but make perfect sense once you, once you see them, um, the use of the, the anthrax irradiated male to yeah. explain, again, the fact that you've brought all these um, diverse perfins and uh, just odds and ends together, but they all tell such a cohesive story, I think is, um, yeah, very emblematic of what I was trying to, to <laughs> ask you about earlier. Um, for P I think this is a good segue. For people who want to learn more, though, you have another talk coming up. I was um, on a panel with the Collectors Club last night, and they were all very excited to, uh, to, to mention it. So why don't you um, let people know where they can hear you speak more about this topic in, in just a couple of weeks? Uh, so I think it's early November, um, November 2nd, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so I'm giving a presentation to the Collectors Club. I, I, was I sat beside um, Larry Haber at uh, Gas in Chicago, I guess two, two gases ago now. Um, and, uh, and at that show, so my, my exhibit was in the court, uh, Champion of Champions because it had won the grand at Campex um, a year or two before. Uh, so we were just talking about thematic exhibiting. So, so what I'm so I'm going to make a presentation to the Collectors Club, um, sort of like a basic introduction to thematic and you know topical and thematic collecting. But I'm I think I'm going to spend some time talking about uh, how thematic exhibitors can use creativity and innovation to kind of bring in um, elements from more traditional branches of philately, like, you know, traditional or, or postal history or postal stationary to illustrate their story and, and how you can really have a lot of fun with that. So I'll be showing examples from my exhibit that are different from the ones I just showed you now. So um, yeah, if, if people are interested there, please, please tune in. And, and those talks are open for non-collectors club members as well. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is register on their website beforehand. So yeah, we encourage everyone to, uh, to, to log into that on November 2nd and, uh, and, and learn more about the development of this collection. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Gene, thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, this has been, yeah, I mean, really informative, not only on the history of blood itself, but on, yeah, the, the evolution of, of, between topical and thematic collecting and, and how, you know, you can really take a, a thematic exhibit and explain the history of just absolutely anything. And to be fair, it's a topic that um, makes me a bit squeamish, but the way you've handled it is, uh, is very informative and very fascinating. And I didn't feel uh, faint at all when you shared oh, well, those, those images. So no, the, the way you've, you've, you've tackled it is fantastic, but no, thank you again. Yeah. I, I think with, with thematic exhibiting in particular, um, the, the subject matter, um, you, you, it really is, um, you go to a show and you look at all thematic exhibits, you don't even have to be that personally invested in the subject to learn so much. Whereas if you go into a postal history exhibit, you kind of know what you're going to get. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, you know, an exhibit like this, you learn about blood, which you don't go into a stamp show, I don't think, um, expecting to come out a more well-rounded scientist. Uh, so that, that's what I love is that regardless of the topic, everyone puts their own spin on it, acquires, uh, again, uh, I don't want to say oddball material, but unexpected material mm -hmm. uh, that contributes to the grand narrative. And I, I think you've really uh, obviously, you know, uh, if, if the judges have anything to say, really demonstrated that over the last few years. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks. I mean, when I go to a show, I also look at other, 
you know, I look at the traditional exhibits too, because I'm always looking for things that I could maybe, you know, bring into my, right. into my exhibit uh, as well. So, you know, we learn from, we, we learn from others, right? That's, that's the great thing about organized flower, you know, before I would say in the last 10 years, all of my, all of the stuff that I've been doing in the last 10 years, um, has, you know, just opened up whole new worlds to me. And it, it's been so rewarding compared to how I collected, you know, I kind of think of like before organized flatly and after organized flatly, you know, mm -hmm. I was kind of on my own and, you know, connecting with people on the internet, but not really in the same, in the same way. So it's been, it's been a really great journey, I guess. No. Yeah. I mean, I completely get that. It's given you the opportunity to learn even more about what you were interested in and then expand upon that. So to say that you go and look at the, the non-thematic exhibits to try and better your thematic exhibit, it, that wouldn't exist without organized philately. So even if you were to kind of build exhibits, but not exhibit them on your own, you need that outside source in order to help, um, you know, build your, build your collection, build your interests and, and kind of guide along that path. And I'm really trying to, uh, you know, give back, right? So, you know, I received a lot of encouragement at the beginning. So I'm really trying to encourage people who've never tried thematics or people maybe who have been topical collectors, but never thought about exhibiting, mm -hmm. you know, just to take that first step, right? Because I think it's, you always get kind of intimidated when you look at the end product, but, you know, it's just, it's really a process. And I could never, I mean, you should, you know, if you go and look at that, that uh, website you'll see there's a big difference between when I started and where my exhibit is now and it's just it's been a, a gradual process yeah I was just going to bring that up you've been working it you had two panels in 2014 and you've been working on this for the past eight years um and now do you finally feel like you're getting to a stage where you <laughs> where it's nearing completion or do you feel like you've still got a long way to go yeah so I mean I so I've had a lot of success at the national level yeah um so i you know i i'm not sure how much further i can take it at the national level but i'm mm -hmm. now finally i think i have the confidence that you know i can probably go that next step which is to international yeah um, so i've actually applied to show my exhibit at ibra in essen germany next may uh, so if it's accepted, that will be the first time I'm showing it at an, at an international show. Wow. Um, so, you know, and then, and so you have to keep it at five frames for international, but then if you achieve a certain meta level, then you can expand it to eight frames, which will be a huge amount of work to, you know, add another three frames. Mm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's been, you know, I, I would say it's been totally a labor of love. Like every time I've shown the exhibit, I think I'm on the, I don't know, 13th or 14th version of it. Every time I show it, there's always been changes. Like I've always added new things in or changed pages around or whatever. So I'm still, you know, always looking for things um, to add to the exhibit. And, uh, um, you know, the next big step is going to be going from five to eight, but that's, you know, I don't, I, I kind of don't even want to think about that right now. It's going to be a lot of work, but, but it's been fun. So I, you know, I've really enjoyed it. And I, and I've learned so much, not only I've learned a lot about my own topic, like a lot mm -hmm. of the history and stuff. I, you know, you don't learn that stuff in medical school. You learn how to use blood to treat patients, but you don't really learn about the history and the societal 
you know, the social history. So I learned a lot that way, just researching my exhibit, but also just, you know, all the different items that I've brought into my exhibit, I researched them and I've learned a lot about different aspects of philately. So, you know, these, they're obviously, I don't know as much as someone who specializes in whatever that area is, but it's been really interesting to me just to learn about different aspects of philately and, and things show up when I least expect them. Like I, you know, I, I belong to a few stamp clubs and I listen to, I listen to online talks and, and stuff and, and show and tells and things and things will pop up that I, you know, hadn't even thought of, but when I look at it, I go, oh, I can use that to illustrate some aspect of my story, right? Some, um, you know, there was a show and tell um, in December for the, for the uh, postal or the uh, philatelic specialist society of Canada. And somebody showed these Liberian postal stationery cards where the indicium had been scratched out. So President Johnson and someone had scratched out the indicium before they postmarked it. And it was a really interesting story. And then I thought, oh, I could kind of use that to illustrate how blood donors are anonymous, right? Because you're anonymizing the indicium. So, you know, so things pop up when you least expect them. And uh, so it's just, it's just fun. Anyway, I've probably droned on longer than no, no, no. Thank you. So no, much. thank you again so yeah. much for for joining us. We've we've really enjoyed this, and we're looking forward to November second. Absolutely, great. yeah. Thanks a lot for having me, and it's been great chatting with you. Yeah, thank you, and I'll put a link to the stamp boards page in the uh, in the description. Great. All right, thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks guys. So much. All right, bye. Michael, I really enjoyed that. We've spoken to other um uh topical collectors before yeah. and thematic collectors um uh, the one that comes to mind is greg another canadian yes. uh yeah. greg redner uh who who does the olympics uh specifically the uh antwerp olympics mm -hmm. um but but i i really enjoyed this you know I, i've seen the blood exhibit before um i'm not sure i've i've uh, studied it as much as i should have <laughs> now after talking to gene i uh, i want to take a whole new look at it with with the new set of eyes but mm -hmm. um no i i think this was really fascinating to learn more um you know as, especially as topical and thematic collecting becomes um again I, I think a lot of people use it as a way to get people involved in the hobby yeah certainly having the ata's annual convention uh mm -hmm. combined with with aps stamp show uh is fantastic um having a, a larger representation from the ata um you know great american stamp show every year so no i i, I think this is just a, a really wonderful conversation that uh well, highlights an important part of the hobby yeah, and to watch her journey over, she said she didn't start topical collecting, you know, up until 10 years ago, she was uh, collecting countries, Canada, Germany, um, Singapore, she said, um, but, but then 10 years ago, she started topical collecting, and then eight years ago, she started building this thematic collection, and it's been a journey of over eight years, winning number of different awards, and she still feels like there's work to be done. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, that it's just as intricate and it's just as complicated as any other facet of the hobby. And, and it's, um, I'm glad that her collection is being recognized in, in such a, um, in, in such a high regard. And I'm excited to go look at the stamp boards page and, and see the, see how it's evolved over the years, over the past eight years. Absolutely. From just two frames to, you know, as many as she has now. And then, um, see what the results are when she takes it overseas to, to Germany. Absolutely. No, I, I can't wait to see that as well. Um, this was a really fun episode. Glad yeah. to be 
uh, back doing this again. Um, as always, you can find us Google, Apple, Spotify podcasts. Uh, we're both on Twitter. People tag me and stuff. I try and look at it as often as possible. Uh, flatlypodcast at gmail.com if you want to reach out. Flatlypodcast.com to find uh, back episodes. And uh, Michael, I'm looking forward to doing it again real soon. Yeah, yeah. Talk to you then. Absolutely, right. man. See ya. Bye.